0: Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Every one of us in this life are waiting for something, and I would challenge you that we should be waiting for someone. And it's not a what, but it's a who at this time of year that we want to invite into our presence, into our lives, and to say Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen? Every one of us have something in our lives that we wish were different. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you're longing for a happiness or a betterness or a goodness or a hopefulness in your life. Maybe you feel a heaviness today because you long for that special someone in your life. Or maybe you long for that special someone to come back into your life. I don't know what you're waiting on in this life, but I want you to know that Jesus wants you to invite him into your waiting because he understands the weight of your weight, he understands the sorrow and the suffering of your life. Something that I've been contemplating over the holidays is this phrase in the Bible where the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus learned obedience through suffering. And I've thought about that phrase. And I've said to God, John, over and over and over this holiday season, why? Why does the perfect Savior of the world need to suffer to learn obedience? And what I believe the Lord said to me, and what I believe to be true in God's Word, is that the suffering of Jesus is what prepared him to be obedient to give his life for you and me and the weight of the cross that was placed upon his life, he was prepared for that because he believed that waiting in anonymity to carry the weight of our suffering was worth the weight. Jesus believes that you were worth the weight. And not only waiting in anonymity for you, but waiting in the weight of the cross. And so today, I want to invite you to take, hopefully you received your program when you came in today. And I want to invite you to follow along with me as we read uh, some scriptures today in the story, the Christmas story. And we ask this question, why is the person of Jesus worth the weight in our lives? Why is the person of Jesus worth the weight in our lives? Look at Matthew chapter one, verse 18 in your program. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus woke, excuse me, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, Luke 2, 1 records details of the same story. Look with me. In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David." to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. See, Jesus came in anonymity. And in his anonymity, Jesus believed that living a life of anonymity up until the time in which he began his ministry, he saw us as worth it. And some of us wonder in our lives if we have value. Some of us wonder in our lives if God loves us because of certain things that have taken place in our lives. And some of us wonder from different times, does God see the sorrows of our lives? And I want you to understand that Jesus lived in anonymity so that he could understand the mundaneness of humanity so that when he performed the miracle of the cross, he could relate to every human being that has walked the face of the earth. I know that for some of us in this season, we find ourselves numb to the sorrows of this life. We wonder if we are alone in our suffering. And I want to encourage you in this season of your life. I want to encourage you to pinpoint a suffering in your life and I want you to say these words in your soul tonight. Jesus, I invite you into this alone suffering in my life. I invite you into this space of anonymity. I invite you into this space of aloneness and I trust that you understand what I am going through. And so where is it in your life? Where is it in your life do you feel hollow? Do you feel shallow? Do you feel swallowed by the suffering of this life? Where is it in your life do you say, God, do you see? God, do you care? God, do you understand the weight of my life? And instead of just declaring those statements, which I completely understand as a human, I also want to invite you to go the next step and say, God, I am going to trust that you do see, that you do care, and I invite you into this part of my life. I invite you to speak to this part of my life. I invite you to comfort this area of my life. I invite you to bring this part of my life alive again. And God, I want to get up out of this darkness. And I want to say to you tonight, thank you for meeting me in the anonymity of my life. Amen? Look at Luke 2.41. Now his parents... And this is Jesus' parents. They went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, talking about Jesus, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine being the parent of Jesus Christ himself? And can you imagine him being 12 years of age? Isn't that amazing? It's amazing to think about this moment in their lives. So they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were entering, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. But supposing him to be in a group, they went a day's journey. You ever had a moment like this, moms and dads? It's an epic fail as a parent, right? Like, do you, can you imagine The pressure Joseph and Mary felt? I mean, think about the pressure you feel as a parent. Now imagine you're responsible for the rearing of the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah of all the world. And all of a sudden, you have an oh-no moment. You discover you've lost God. Right? And you're like, I don't know what to do. We've gone a day's journey. And they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. Hey, anybody seen my son, Jesus, the Savior of the world? The immaculate conception, right? The one born through the Holy Spirit. Has, has anybody seen that child? I mean, it's difficult to ask, right? Because you feel a lot of pressure here. And when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, I want you to see that. What? Can you imagine, moms and dads, you've lost your child for three days. After three days, let me say it the way my mama would say, I've been worried sick about you, son. Where you been? Why would you do this to us? And he said to them, why were you looking for me? That sounds like an adolescent, doesn't it? That sounds like a 12 year old boy. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they didn't understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Do you know what I get from this passage? I get the patience of God. God is a patient God. God sent Jesus to the earth as a baby. He could have sent him a million different ways, couldn't he have? But he sent him as a baby. The most vulnerable creature sent him as a baby to earth for a mom and a dad to raise him. And at age 12, he goes missing. And in him missing... They go looking for him, and for three days, they can't find him. And then they find him. And he says, why were you looking for me? Why were you worried? Why were you concerned? Did you not know I had to be about my father's business? Did you not know that this was God's plan all Along. What if the most tragic moment of your life is actually a part of God's plan? And in the distress of your life, what if God is going to bring the greatest miracle out of your life? Now, you might say, if he's going to do it, let me see it now. Now you missed the whole point. Did you not get this part of the story? Patience. Patience. Can you say to God, teach me to be a patient person in an impatient world? Marty, you know what I've discovered about getting old? Not that you're old. I'm just old. All right. When I was young, it took a lot to discourage me. I mean, I could do just about anything, at least I thought I could. And I rarely got discouraged. But as I get older, do you know what I discovered? I get discouraged a lot. I lose hope a lot. And I sit around and I think to myself, self, what's happened to you? Where did that guy go? And then I discover something else, Marty. When I was younger, it took a lot for me to lose courage. But once I lost it, it took forever to get it back, Roger. And now as an older person, as a 51-year-old man, I get discouraged really easy for some reason. But do you know something? I don't stay there very long. It doesn't last as long. And that's one thing that's beautiful about age. That's one thing that's beautiful about living in this world. You begin to develop an understanding of patience with yourself. And can I give you a gift that you may never have given yourself? Can I give you a gift that I want you to receive? It is the gift of being patient with yourself. Being patient with yourself. Can you say to yourself tonight, I received, God, your gift of patience. I know that as you were patient with the plan of Jesus, so you are patient with me. And I know in an impatient world, it is very difficult to do this, but I want to invite you in your spirit tonight just to say, I receive the gift of God's patience with me. Amen? amen. Come on, amen? amen? Where in your life are you impatient with yourself? Where in your life do you not give yourself patience? You don't think you deserve it. You don't think you've earned it. I've got news for you. You haven't. That's why Jesus came. Jesus lived, you ready? A patient life. So we could receive the gift of patience in our lives. And if there's anything that I have discovered after all that we've gone through in this world recently, we could all use a heavy, healthy dose of patience with ourselves. Amen? Amen. And so I invite you to receive it. To receive it. Jesus waited in anonymity, anonymity so that he could carry the weight of the cross to free us. Look at Luke 23, 26. And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene. So now we fast forwarded to the end of Jesus' life. And Simon was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. Can you imagine? I wonder what Simon's day was like. I wonder what he had done that day. And he comes in and he's being asked to carry the cross For Jesus. There followed him a great multitude, verse 27, of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. Luke 23, 34, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They cast lots to divide his garments. Who in your life has been cruel to you? And can you say to them right now, God, forgive them. Who in your life has been cruel to you? And can you say to them right now, Father, would you please Forgive them. You go, they don't deserve. You don't get it. None of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve forgiveness. I was at my son's graduation this past week and down in Phoenix and we went to their church and wonderful church, Antioch uh, Community Church there in the Phoenix area. And I walked up and I said hi to one of the pastors, Adam. And he was like, "Oh, your family—they're just—they're you know, this is what any dad wants to hear, right? They're just amazing." And he started talking about our oldest daughter, Anastasia, who uh, she was born on my mom's birthday. And I said, "Do you know the story?" He said, "Man, Anastasia's got an anointing on her life." I said, "Do you know the story of how she was born on my mom's birthday?" And he's like, "No." And I said, yeah, my mom was killed by a drunk driver and she was born on my mom's birthday and her, name's, her name means Resurrection Morning Joy. And he, Adam got this look on his face and he said, do you, do you know the story of my dad? And I said, no, I don't know the story of your dad. I said, what? He said, well, my dad, before I was born, drove drunk and hit a woman and killed her baby. And out of that tragedy came an organization called Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, MAD. And he said, and my dad went to prison, but he eventually came to Christ while in prison and got out. Wow. Wow. And he said, and you know something? Somebody prophesied over his life while he was at work. and Somebody told him a miracle is going to happen today in your life. And he went on about his day like all of us do, got busy, got caught up in the details, got frustrated, had to go to the grocery store to get some groceries. And strangely enough, he walked into the grocery store, uh, Adam said, with my mom, and he went and to the strangest part of the grocery store, walked up to this woman, total stranger, patted her baby on the head and said, that's the most beautiful baby I've ever seen in my life. That was her second child. This was the woman he hit and killed her first child. And she realized it was him and she began to weep and she forgave him. He gave his life fully and completely to the Lord. Adam said, they were in the grocery store. You ready for this? To get a pregnancy test. And they later found out that night they were pregnant with me, he said. Listen, people have said to me over the years, the guy that killed your mother, he wasn't in prison long enough. I said, how long would it would be long enough? My hope would be that he would give his life to Jesus Christ, which, by the way, he did. I don't know what you're struggling with in your life. I don't know what unforgiveness you have in your life. But I want you to, I want you to understand something. God will connect the dots if you don't shake your fist in defiance against him and those around you. God will do a miracle out of the most tragic moment of your life if you don't give up. Amen? How do you make up a story where our resurrection morning joy now works for a guy whose father was the reason Mothers Against Drunk Driving was launched? You can't make this stuff up. Matthew 27, 45, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani. It's Aramaic, by the way. This is what Jesus said. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus can relate to that. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man called Elijah and one of them at once ran, took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put on a reed, gave it to him. By the way, the pastor's last name is Reed. I find that interesting. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, yielding up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. So dead people got up out of the grave that day. Coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, appeared to many, and when the centurion, those who were with him, kept watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake, what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the Son of God. Now look at what Jesus did for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21, and maybe for the first time in your life, you're seeing this, and not only seeing, seeing this, but you're feeling this. For our sake, Jesus, God the Father, made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. See, Jesus was worth the weight because he decided we were worth the weight, the weight of sin. The person of Jesus is worth your weight because he's decided you're worth the weight of the sin that he carried for you and I. Now, I'm going to invite you to do something with us. If you're a regular vanguardian, this isn't going to be new to you. But if you're a visitor, this, is, this could be blow your mind. I'm going to invite you in just a little bit to just to bow your heads with me and close your eyes and I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. You say, what does that mean? That means that during this prayer, I'm going to invite you to invite the greatest gift ever given to humanity, Jesus, into your heart. You go, I don't know if I can do that. It's up to you. See, the gift of Jesus is just that it's a gift. God is a gentleman. He created you, He breathed life into you, and He allows you to live right now. But the Bible says that He stands at the door of our hearts and He knocks. And by the way, that's not Santa Claus. That's Jesus. Jesus is knocking on your heart's door. And he's saying, Let me in. Let me come in. Let me come in and let's go through this life together. You don't ever have to be alone. You don't ever have to suffer alone. You don't ever have to live in anonymity without me. But the choice is ours. The choice is yours. And so I just want to invite you to to bow your heads with me. If you would, out of respect for others, and just close your eyes. And I'm going to ask everybody in the room to repeat this prayer with me, even if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, because that gives courage to those who haven't. And so will you join me? I'll say a few words, and then you say them with me. Heavenly Father, Jesus is worth the wait. Because he... Decided my sin was worth the weight of his suffering. I put my faith in Jesus today as my Messiah, Savior, and Lord, God in the flesh. I confess my sin to Jesus and ask him to forgive me. I accept his forgiveness and invite Jesus into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed with me just for a few moments? If that's the first time you've ever prayed that, would you let me see your hand? Would you keep it up long enough for me? Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.